We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches Podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. And so we're going to hear from Jesus today some words of instruction uh, from Matthew's gospel. We were in Mark last week. We're going to hop over to Matthew today uh, and hear these words of instruction from Jesus in Matthew 18, starting in verse 15. So here's what he has to say. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you've regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, If two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. I spent an inordinate amount of time talking about love is blind (laughs) and have had so many conversations with people after the fact about like, should I watch it? And it's a hard question. It depends on the person asking me. Maybe, maybe not. Carrie, I think, made it like 15 minutes into the first episode, not for her. Um, But anyway, uh, that night was the the reunion finale episode. And you're like, oh God, he's going in. I'll just briefly. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Was a reunion episode, and Landon and I were an episode behind for us to watch the live reunion. And my friend Schuler texted me, and he said, hey, are you trying to watch the reunion, or the reunion episode, the live episode on Netflix? I was like, no, 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 don't say anything. We're behind. He's like, no, don't worry about it. It's not working. Uh, the, the stream was not working. There was something wrong at Netflix, like it was crashing or something. And I had this, the, this fleeting, passing thought, did I do this? <laughs> did I call this into being by talking about it on Sunday morning? It, but I, that was a passing thought. It went away very quickly. Uh, but Twitter was like the best it's been in years uh, because of this happening. Like, what, you know, people talking about why this was happening, what we were missing. Maybe some people on the show were like conniving together to make sure it didn't come out so then they wouldn't have to like, you know, bear it all on TV in front of everybody. Uh, it was amazing. And I just love when something like that brings people together. <laughs> uh, because people that you wouldn't even think would be drawn together. There's somebody after the church last week that was like, should I watch it? And it was a person that I was like, I don't know if you should or not. It's really trashy. Uh, and then she told me some of the other shows that she liked. I was like, you're going to love it. <laughs> uh, like the, just unsuspecting of like who this show is going to draw in. I love when people come together on something weird. Um, I, I, I've been thinking about that a lot this week. And, and this weekend especially, either, either you have already seen Taylor or you're going to see her tonight. Uh, I love when people are just drawn together. (laughs) Woo, yes, woo for Taylor Swift. Um, There was a Sunday morning at my church in Arkansas where just down the street, uh, New Life Church, it's one of the biggest churches in Arkansas. It was my first Sunday preaching at my new church and Tim Tebow was preaching down the street. And I like said from the pulpit, I was like, thank you (laughs) for being here. You know, I'm just lucky I'm not competing with Taylor Swift. We don't have an evening service, so I'm glad you're here. 
Uh, but I love what it does to drawing people together. And, and every time I think about you know, this, like there's Love is Blind and there's, there's Taylor Swift and there's these tastes that we have and you discover, C.S. Lewis says, and we'll talk about this in a minute, C.S. Lewis says that the beginning of friendship is this question, you too? You like that? You, you live in that neighborhood? Your kids go to this school? You too? And that's what draws us together. My favorite television show of all time, uh, Yes, I'll, I'm gonna use preaching just to recommend pieces of media to you. Uh, Landon is tired of me talking about them, so you get to hear about them. Uh, Community, she's heard about it a lot. My favorite show. Uh, you get, anybody watched it? Yes, big fan. I know the manuals are big fans. Uh, wonderful, really, really good show. NBC comedy that was kind of tumultuous history because it was also on the same time as The Office and part of 30 Rock, and it just didn't get all the attention that I say it definitely deserved. Um, and then it got canceled, and then uncanceled, and then canceled again, and then there's a movie happening. It's actually happening. There was this saying, six seasons and a movie. They're gonna have six seasons, they're gonna be a movie, and it just drew all these people together. I, you know, it's one of those, like, you quote it, and you're instantly like, yes, I like you. We're friends now, you know. Uh, and it's about just this ragtag group of people. Here's some of them, yeah. Uh, there's Troy and Britta and Jeff and Chevy Chase plays Pierce and, and Shirley and Annie and Abed and the Dean and Chang and, and they're in a community. I mean, it's that on the nose. The very first episode, Jeff, uh, there in the black shirt, the handsome looking one, uh, he's a lawyer and he's been disbarred because you figure out he's kind of a fraud and so he has to go back to community college to get his degree so he can continue to practice law. And so he's in intro to Spanish, he discovers with some of these other people and Britta, who's standing next to him, he's interested in her. And so as a way to date her, he starts a Spanish study group. It's not about Spanish at all. It's a means for him to get to know her. But then over the course of the, of the series, I mean, they, on the show, they rarely study Spanish. Occasionally they do. But this Spanish study group then becomes this core group of people who different religious backgrounds, they tackle that, different family backgrounds, different occupations and political persuasions, and they're drawn together in a community. And that's the premise of the show, is to see how these people, who wouldn't and shouldn't be together in friendship or relationship at all, are now friends, and really, ultimately, how they become family. And the, the creator of the show, Dan Harmon, he's kind of a messy genius, uh, he also created Rick and Morty, it's real popular now. Uh, he created this thing called the story circle. And in the story circle, he, he describes, you know, he wanted to get over the, the barrier of having to break a story, to write a story. So he wanted to create a model around it, and you see it here. This is uh, one version of it. If you Google Harmon's story circle, you'll see a bunch of different versions of it. But he said, you know, week to week when they're writing these episodes, he wanted to answer the question, how does a person change? Because that's what a good story is. You see a person in one state, and by the end of the story, they've changed in some way. They've learned something new, they've grown in some capacity, and so he wanted to make that part of the writing process simpler. So I'm gonna walk through it real quick. The kind of at the top of the, the circle is a person, a character, somebody that's compelling, and they want or need something. There's something missing in their life. And so they go, they're number three there, they go and search for it. And as they search for it, they're faced with a lot of trials. And then they find what they're looking for, and they take it, and having taken it, they pay a price for it, and then they go back to where they were. They return home having changed. And you can see there's all these like YouTube video essays of people using this to kind of structure, you know, this is what makes a good story. And you look at episodes of Community or even Rick and Morty or you know, the Batman movies or whatever else, that it, there's this identifiable person, you relate with them, and they go through this. And it, and it applies because it's how 
our lives are. It's how we change. And if I could break down kind of the, the, the gospel vision or Jesus's vision for how we change, maybe a more condensed or like maybe Christianized version of this is this really simple formula that trust plus time equals transformation. That you, you give over yourself to, to, to trust someone, you, you decide to take the risk to be in relationship with them, you decide to give yourself to a community as you have done this morning, and then over the course of time, you change. Assuming that it'll be awkward in the beginning. Assuming that it won't be totally comfortable in the beginning. Assuming that you won't know everyone's name. Assuming that you're gonna make mistakes and the other people in the community or the other person in the relationship is gonna make a mistake. But you trust them and then you give it time and then over the course of time, you change. That's why spouses or people that have been friends for a really long time start to look and think and act like one another. They kind of meld together. People have said, and you can take this in a positive way or a negative way, that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And this terrified my dad in high school about me. <laughs> it was like the people I was spending my time around because I was the average of all five of those people together because I trusted them in the relationship and then over the course of time, it changed me. Jesus, and we see it in this passage today, sees that you know, there's a lot of different ways the Bible talks about change or what we might call spiritual formation. And one of the components, uh, assumed components, understood components, something that you can't take out of Jesus's vision of that trust plus time equals transformation is community. Community is assumed. That you're gonna follow Jesus with others is just par for the course. It's the baseline, it's the foundation for change at all. There are no solitary Christians, there's no self-made disciple, nobody goes it alone, and if you try to go it alone, you'll soon discover in your study, in your prayer, in your spiritual life, I really wish I had a traveling companion. And so Jesus assumes, as we read in this teaching today, that you're gonna be in community with others. You're gonna be, as the NRSV we read today says, church or assembly or gathering, you're gonna hurt each other, you're gonna sin, and you're gonna have to find ways to navigate life together. In fact, the, the most part of the New Testament, the biggest part, are these letters to communities. And there are a few to individuals also, but even in those letters, it's assumed that those individuals are part of a circle, are part of a community. And so I, I wanna say, with, with community assumed, what are maybe some five things that we can identify community is, Christian community in particular. And we can drill down a little bit deep and talk about, okay, if, if we start with Jesus, why Jesus, and we move to community and what Jesus has to advise for us, what sort of facets or qualities does this Christian community have that we wanna strive for, we wanna identify, we wanna champion, we wanna describe our own community largely as branches but also in smaller groups. First is accountability. We'll start with the tough one first. That, that community assumes accountability. And so that's why you don't like make a tacit promise about something like, I'm planning on doing this. You just keep it inside because if you tell someone about it, then you have to be held accountable for it. That's what Jesus describes here in uh, Matthew 18 today, that, that in this community, uh, something is gonna go awry, a relationship's gonna be broken, and his advice is you go and hold that person accountable to it. You've sinned, you've broken the relationship in some way. The second piece that Jesus describes is solidarity or being with others. Again, I quote this all the time, Gregory Boyle, Catholic priest in California, he says that the most important word in Christian spirituality is with. And with, we do things together in solidarity. Three is vulnerability. 
that uh, you, you show yourself, you're open with others, you bring your whole self to a conversation. Uh, four is Christ's presence, that in community, Jesus says, if two or three or more are gathered, I'm gonna be there with you. Spiritually, I'll be there with you. And last, the, the end goal we've already talked about is in community, you should expect transformation. That if you're in, in true, fruitful tra- uh, community and nothing ever changes, you're not actually in community. If you never really grow, there's something missing. If you never really uh, transform in some capacity or in some way, uh, maybe do something to, to tweak your community or find a new one. I want to give some <laughs> illustrative examples of all of these things, the, we, the ways we already do these things, and maybe some challenges. Uh, first, accountability. Uh, David Brooks, who writes for the New York Times occasionally, he says that um, community is love-drenched accountability. I love that. That we can also see, you know, sometimes accountability, what we call accountability is really just shaming. Like, you're a horrible person, I'm gonna tell everyone about it. So Jesus is wise, he's probably really smart, I would imagine. Maybe the smartest person to have ever lived, I would venture. (laughs) He begins with, you go to the person one-on-one and you express this to them. That's accountability. Uh, I've shared this before, but I think the most perfect example of accountability that was given to me was from my sister, Jillian. We're twins, so we've spent our entire lives together, like forced community forever. Shared birthday parties for most of our childhood. Uh, And we hated it at first, and now we have this special thing. So we have a close, tight relationship, a different relationship than we have with our other sister. And not worse or anything, but just different. And one time I remember I was just like dumping all this stuff on her, like my job was horrible and I was in school and school was bad and my relationships and friendships and all this stuff was awful and I was complaining about our family and our parents and blah, 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 and just like dumping all this out. And Landon, Jillian said, um, this is my sister, have you ever considered that it's you? I know. (laughs) I asked her about this. I said, do you remember when you said that? She was like, I don't remember it at all. I was like, well, I remember it, (laughs) you know? But I'll never forget that because I feel that sometimes. It's like everything's awful and there's one common denominator, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's me. And that's accountability. Or I think when I, was, when I was training for the marathon with my friend Paul, we'd do our long runs on Friday and the only thing some Friday mornings that would get me out of bed was knowing that he was going to be there. And he shared with me, the same was true of him, that the only reason sometimes he would get up and drive where we were going to do our run was because he knew I was going there. And I'm sure there were some Fridays where both of us were having that feeling and I was thinking, oh, he's gonna be so mad. But if I had texted him, you wanna skip it today? He'd probably been like, yeah, dude, let's do it. (laughs) But if we didn't run on Fridays, if maybe one of us was out of town, we would check in on Fridays. And I have to admit, some Fridays I'd sleep in because I'm like, I don't have my long run today. And he'd be like, well, you gotta do it tomorrow. (laughs) That's accountability. Uh, Second uh, is solidarity with, we do things together. Uh, In the Christian family that we're a part of in Methodism in the Wesleyan tradition, uh, John Wesley was a genius about this. He knew that we couldn't go it alone and he broke down in a very methodical way, hence the name, how Christians would gather in these societies and classes and bands. And there was this book written about him and his movement in America after the fact, people trying to do the same organization in American Methodism, and the book was called Organizing to Beat the Devil. That's pretty rad. Uh, That's what I wanna do is we organize, we gather together in solidarity, we do things with one another to conquer evil and sin in our lives. That solidarity. The most beautiful thing that can ever happen as a pastor is that when you think about illustrations, you can think of things that are happening in your own community. Another example of solidarity I think is so beautiful is, you know, we have these prayer walls, one over there and one over here. And on some of these panels of these prayers over here, someone 
has gone by to these prayers on the wall, and maybe they've written their own prayers, but they've also written and drawn a really distinct looking heart next to ones that they've prayed over. That's solidarity. You do things with one another. And then when you know that, when you know someone's praying with you, someone's for you, that emboldens you, that empowers you, that shares love with you. Uh, The third one is vulnerability. Um, uh, We're open. Uh, We share with one another who we truly are. There's a a word in the New Testament, a Greek word, um, gymnazo. You can kind of imagine it's where we get the word gymnasium from. It's often used to talk about training or discipline or growth. The word gymnazo outside of the New Testament often referred to uh, athletes who are training together and also in that culture in the first century, uh, athletes trained, they gymnazoed together naked. And I have to say, just, just explicitly, this is a metaphor. Uh, I'm not encouraging this um, literally, okay? So I'll say again, it's a metaphor. Uh, I feel like I have to say that now for some reason. Uh, that gymnazo, you train, you train openly, vulnerably, nakedly. You share in community who you truly are. You don't hide it from each other. Uh, fourth, again, is uh, Christ's presence. Uh, I love this verse. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. I have to say, from a, a pastor's perspective, uh, when nobody shows up for something, we love this verse. Well, wherever two or three are gathered, Jesus is still here. But it's, it's not just like a comfort when things don't go well, it's a promise that Jesus wants to be in community with you. And as we talked about last week, Jesus isn't just a character in a book or some figure from a long time ago we want to emulate and admire, but his presence is mediated spiritually to us when we gather in community. And that's such a beautiful promise. And last is transformation. Our friends in recovery can tell us about this, this transformation that happens when you're with one another in community, that question that you ask, oh, you too? We should be together. And the the most concrete example I can give is every Tuesday night uh, at 8.15 or so, depending on when we show up, uh, me and three other guys are in a triad. There's four of us, so we kind of broken the rules a little bit. Uh, And we pray with one another, we check in, we know a lot about each other's lives. And I can say, we started at the beginning of the pandemic till now, things have changed. Superficially, it's a lot less awkward now than it was at the beginning. (laughs) And also, I can count on them to pray for me and we can text with one another and go to each other's events and some of them have come to worship at branches and we'll go out and get beers together other times and I know the sorts of things that are happening in their lives and uh, all of us, we could be friends, but I think without the triad, there's some, some of them I probably wouldn't necessarily hang out with all the time. But because of that trust and, and time together, things have changed. We've been transformed because Jesus is there and we've held each other accountable and we've been vulnerable with one another and we've also been in solidarity with each other and we've also texted each other and say, hey, are you okay? It's 8.30, where are you? Or also, hey, we really missed you this week. We know that you weren't there. Or um, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for your family member that you shared about or I've been thinking about you knowing that you've been going through that. And all, all three of them prayed just fervently before the launch of this place, before branches started. And it's meant so much to me that they, these people that I've known now really closely for a few years, have been praying for this place. And they've been transformed by it. They've shared that. And, and I've been transformed by it. And it's an anchor point for me that there's some Tuesdays where I'm like, oh, I really don't want to go. I really would just rather lay down and like scroll TikTok for a while. <laughs> I'd rather just go to sleep or I'd rather skip out on it. And then I do, because I know they're going to be there. <laughs> 
and I'm glad for it. And if I have to miss it, I miss it. The, the place I want to land, the, the thing I want us to remember, that the distinctive part of Christian community, because we can find community anywhere, or a Spanish study group, uh, Taylor Swift, around Love is Blind. I'm trying to figure out what day and time the Love is Blind community can start. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but Christian community speaks to something about God's identity, who God is. Uh, Gary Brashear is a theologian, and he says that God is a community who creates community. What a beautiful, evocative image. That God, in and of himself, Christians want to believe, is not alone. God didn't create humanity because he was alone. God, Father, Son, and Spirit is one and three, is, is in intimate love relationship eternally. And out of that, because of that integral piece of God's identity, community comes. Because he created this person and that person wanted a companion, God noticed and said, it's not good for humankind to be alone. That wasn't because God forgot. <laughs> it's because innate, born into, in the image of this God, people, we feel the need to be with one another because God is a community who creates community. With Jesus as the common denominator, with Jesus at the center, with Jesus as the spoke, with Jesus as the center of gravity, because... God is a community who creates community. We're not inventing something new. We're not doing something programmatic to try to tap into something else. We're reflecting, because we're made in God's image, the very community that God is when we're in loving, accountable, growing relationship with one another. When we look at Dan Harmon's story circle again, we can see in Jesus' story how this call of community can change us. If we put Jesus at the top, and we put ourselves at the top, there's these identifiable, recognizable characters that you can kind of map yourself onto. I hope you can identify with yourself. And I hope the project is we can identify with Jesus, that there's this want, that we want something more, we wanna be connected, we wanna feel love, we wanna love one another, we wanna find a loving relationship. And so we go, we put ourselves out there, we take the risk to say, I wanna be your friend, or I want to get to know you, or I want to start a small group with you, or I want to spend a weekly, a Saturday night, or a, a Friday morning with you. And likewise, Jesus crossed the threshold that he, he, he came to be with us in person, wanted to be in community with us. And then there's these trials that you, you face before you, this awkwardness, or you, maybe there's somebody in your group you don't quite like, and Jesus himself faced trials that rubbing shoulders with people, he found that people were people-y. <laughs> And then having grasped that, having been in community, we see that, that to be with other people costs something because it, it costs our own secret or it, it costs our own desire to not be vulnerable. It costs our time and our energy and it costs our love in some way too that we give it. And Jesus paid that cost for us. And then likewise, we pay that cost. And then we return, we reflect, we turn back to the center having changed. Having seen, oh, this is what I was looking for all along having changed and, and, and seeing that, that I'm reflecting back to God who God already is in a loving relationship, in community, drawing us together in community. My challenge for me and for us and for this larger community branches is to be in circular community with one another, in community with our city, in community in our relationships, our work relationships and romantic ones and friendships, to take the time to step out in trust of other people with Jesus at the center to be transformed. I can only speak for myself anecdotally, 
or I can tell stories of other people who've been in Christian community together. I can tell stories about the recovery community, or I can tell stories about people that we know in this very community that, that did that. But if you haven't been in community, if you are looking for that, if you feel that kind of longing peace, this reflection uh, back to who God is, of you don't want to be alone, you want to grow, you want to change, you believe people can change, take the step, take the risk. I want to walk with you every step of the way. I want to help you be in community. I want to match you with people and also mismatch you with people. (laughs) So you can grow with people who are unlike you, who don't vote like you or think like you or see the world the same way that you do, but have this one thing in common, Jesus at the center. Jesus who invites us to this table. Jesus who prays with us and for us even now. Jesus who, who right after he left the desert in these 40 days of temptation, the first thing that he did was start a community. God himself in the flesh didn't go it alone. Don't go it alone. You're not alone. I'm with you. This place is with you. These people that write hearts next to your prayers are with you. And most of all, most importantly, Jesus is with you. Let's pray.